Welcome to the New Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Nickel. Hello and welcome. I'm glad you're here and I hope you're doing well. I wanted to start by sharing some words from one of my former clients. She wrote me uh, a recommendation on LinkedIn about her work with me and I just loved the way she described it and so I wanted to share it with you. Her name is Courtney and she said, calm, level-headed, smart, that's Kim. After working with Kim for about six months, I have a stronger sense of confidence as a manager and no longer cower at the thought of sharing my opinions during large meetings or shy away from opportunities to present my work. And I love that so much. And I have to tell you, this is exactly why I love the work that I do. And because I focus so much of my messaging and my teaching and my coaching on new managers. And what's been super interesting is that I found over the years as I've been doing this, there are three kinds of people who tend to come to me or who tend to find my work. And one is the person who is not a manager yet, but they plan to be. Either they're currently up for a promotion or it's what they see for themselves as the next step. And so they want to get a jump on the skills and the mindset that they know they will need when they're managing people officially. They want to be prepared. So it's like, I'm not managing yet, but I know that I will be. That's my plan. And so those people are often drawn to me. The second group, these are people who are currently managing people. This is kind of, when I think about myself in you know my earlier career, I was so focused on the goal of getting promoted and becoming a manager. And I can be very goal-oriented and very focused and and I get I get the goal, right? Like congratulations, you got it. You got you got the job. Now you're a manager. And my mind then went to like, oh wait, now what? <laughs> like I, I kind of didn't realize that once you become a manager, there are all these things that I hadn't really thought through. I mean, I just assumed that having a manager and having opinions about how other managers managed me, I just kind of thought I'd automatically know what to do once I stepped into that role. And so for you, if you're that person who's, you know, like, yes, I got it, now I'm a manager, and you have this little feeling of, oh no, wait, what? Like, is it there some kind of guidebook or something? (laughs) Like, is there uh, any support for me to think about, you know, how I do my one-on-ones and how does the performance review process work? Like, if that's you, then I definitely get it. And that's one of the reasons why I started down this path of doing this work anyways. That's the second person. And then the third person who tends to come to me and be drawn to my work is actually the person who's been managing people for a while but never had any training or guidance at all. And now they're in a situation that might be different than what they've dealt with in the past. So that's when you move to a new organization and you're like, wow, I knew how to manage people and I felt very confident, 
in this other situation, but now I've got this new team, or now I'm the new person in this organization, or something feels like I'm a little bit uncertain and I don't know why because I, you know, I felt really good about this, but now I'm suddenly questioning myself and I've got a lot of doubt and I, you know, I'm wondering what have I missed? What, what, what about managing people that I never have to learn before? And sometimes that shows up when you've had a really like an easy time managing people because their personalities and styles just really matched yours. And so you managed them the way you like to be managed and it worked. But then if you get a new team or you move to a different organization with a different organizational culture, or maybe you hire somebody and they have a really different personality or a really different background, and now all of a sudden the things that used to work in one situation seem to not be working, then that's another reason people come to me. And actually, as I'm talking about this, there might be kind of one other category of person. And this is like the very high level person and I'm thinking of either, you know, you're a founder of a company and your company's now growing. Um, I've worked with a couple of executive directors of organizations um, and also like uh, law firm partners. And it, there's this kind of weird thing where you're so good at the thing you do. Like I'm thinking about my lawyer client who's so good at being a lawyer. And then when she made partner, it was kind of this shift in thinking about what did it mean to be partner in her law firm and think about not just managing her team of associates, but also managing relationships with the other partners and you know with the clients. And there were just a lot of different things that started to come into, uh, you know, that, that will come into your awareness when you're now sort of suddenly arriving into this leadership role and there's, there's no one really above you that you can look to for mentoring or guidance. Like when everyone is looking up to you and you're like, oh, this is kind of a new, hmm, this is new. <laughs> this is a new situation. And if you're at that stage, then that can actually feel really uncomfortable because it can feel just like a whole lot of pressure and you know a whole lot of visibility and a whole like all the all the uncertainties can really get amplified so you know regardless of kind of which of those feels like you you're in the right place but i wanted to share this kind of perspective as i've been thinking about the work that I've been doing most recently, and then I know my client Courtney and the great words that she had to share, because I think there's so much that you gain when you learn how to think and manage yourself and kind of develop the strategic perspective, like a way of thinking that is a little bit different when you are a people manager. And the sooner you do that in your career, the better it will serve you. And not just in your professional life, but honestly in your personal life as well. One thing I believe to be true is that when things are going great at work, that has a positive effect in your personal life. When things are not going great at work, that has a ripple effect in your personal life. And so we want to be able to support 
the skills and the growth and the perspective that you have when you're doing the work stuff because if that's not really handled or if you're really you know struggling there then it's going to detract from all of the other things that are important to you so you know like it it's it's not just work it's more than that and it's interesting too because of my training and background in mindfulness and as a life coach you know who you are at work is a holistic perspective meaning that for example if you grew up as the youngest kid in a family then you might have grown up feeling like nobody ever listened to you you had to speak the loudest you had to you know work really hard to get people's attention and that early experience and pattern will show up in the way that you work with other people. I'm actually thinking specifically of this one uh, gentleman that I coached several years ago, and he became the CTO of this public company, so a really big organization. And he had come into the role from a different company, and he was really nervous to prove himself. It was a really big job. He understood the technology really, really well and was very visionary and had a lot of great background to offer on the technology side. But when it came to speaking up or public speaking or communicating in you know big rooms of lots of people, he felt super nervous. He felt like a little kid again. He felt just like he couldn't get his thoughts and his words organized. And it was really difficult. Like we, we worked together for a little while. And one of the things that came out was just understanding why he had that initial reaction of feeling like a little kid. And it was because when he was a little kid, he felt like nobody listened to him and he had to really fight to get people's attention and to take him seriously because they'd always seen him as, oh, he's just the little kid in his family. So it's really interesting when we start to understand how, you know, your own past experience as a human in the world affects the way that you work with other people. And especially when you start to rise into leadership roles, there are oftentimes a lot of uh, kind of expectations or responses to things that we don't even realize we're doing or that we don't anticipate until they're happening in the moment. And then we're like, oh, why is this happening? <laughs> right? Like, why am I cowering to speak up and share my ideas? Right. And for, you know, for some of my clients, it's like, oh, the perfectionism, the weight of the pressure that you put on yourself to do things exactly right can feel so heavy and can feel so like, you know, confining. And so a lot of the coaching that I do is around how do we understand for you what is it that's going on that's getting in the way of how you want to show up. So a little bit of kind of bigger context there. But the main thing I wanted to bring your attention to today is this question of how do I get them to? 
I would say that in the one-on-one coaching that I do with my clients, this is something that comes up almost every time, like with every client in some capacity, there is this question, how do I get them to? And it might be about managing up, like how do I get my manager to, you know, approve this request? Or how do I get my manager to stop people pleasing the higher level people because, you know, they're not standing up for me and they're giving the answers that the above people want and they're ignoring, you know, what I am telling them. Like, how do I get, how do I get my manager to do this? Um, or when you are a manager, I see this a lot. You know, let's say that you have someone on your team and there's something they're doing that's not quite right. Like there's something in their performance review or something in the way that they're working that is just like you need to correct it. And the question of like, how do I get them to change their behavior? How do I get them to do this differently? How do I get them to communicate, you know, in this way instead of that way? How do I get them to see the big picture and not be so disgruntled and frustrated that we're not doing things the way they want to do, right? Like this question of how do I get them to, especially when, you know, you're, you're like, oh, but I've told them. We've had this conversation before. We sometimes think, you know what? If there's an issue, I just need to tell them once. Or I don't need to tell them directly, but I need to hint at it because they should just know. Or you might think, oh, but I thought I was clear. I thought they did understand. They said they understood, but nothing has changed. How do I get them to? And so what we want to do is start to unpack you know, number one, let's look at this as an issue not of control. You know, we're not trying to control other people because that is really hard. And that is often actually not very effective, right? Ultimately, we really have not a lot of control over other people's actions or their emotions or, you know, what they say and how they say it. But you can have significant influence. You can influence what happens. You can influence the way that people behave and show up and what they do and how they do it. There are actually a lot of different little leverage points that can influence things. And that includes, we can look at the process, we can look at the you know, not just the personality, but the sense of, you know, how does this person learn or how do they need to hear this? Or is there another way that I can create some, you know, structure or, or affect the outer environment to facilitate, to make it easier for them to do this certain thing in a certain way? So as just one example, um, I had a client and her team was getting some training on this new internal tool. And her question was like, how do I get them to use this tool? Like we went through this training, but they're still really resistant. They're not doing it. They're not using it properly. And it's creating all these problems. And I've told them they need to start using this new tool. (laughs) And we had this one training. Why are they not doing it? And so one of the things that we uncovered was that she had assumed, oh, the way that I learn is going to be the way that they learn. And so she was confused because she's like, well, I understand and I learned it and I can use it. Why aren't they? 
We want to understand how many different levers and ways can we look at this. It was also super interesting too. You know, one of the thoughts she had was, oh, I need to document. I need to create a really thorough um, standard operating procedures book that will walk them through how to do it. But not everybody learns through that. Creating a great SOP is really good because it helps you to clarify your thinking. And it's wonderful to have this external resource that people can access when they need it. But it may not be sufficient to create the change in behavior that you're looking for. So for example, maybe what people need is they need little videos to show them, you know, show me again what is the order of things. What, what's the button I click and how do I get to this screen and then what do I do after that? Some people need that visual demonstration a couple of times. Other people might need someone to kind of walk them through. So you can think of it from the lens of, okay, maybe we do some kind of buddy system where it's like, okay, you're going to help each other to do it in this way, that's how we're gonna learn. There are so many ways to influence and to get creative when there's an outcome that you're trying to create through the work of other people. And thinking in that way, thinking strategically, thinking creatively, not taking things super personally, because we do that a lot as a human. You know, I told them to do it this way and they're not doing it they must be disrespecting me, or they're not doing it, that must mean I'm really bad at my job. We can sometimes take that blame in in such like a heavy way when it's not necessarily either of those things. It's just like, okay, how can I influence what is happening here in order to facilitate the outcomes that I'm looking for? And just as another short story, I have this other client and she was feeling so frustrated with her team. She's like, you know, I I hired them at this time of the year and I thought they'd be, you know, at this point in this time of the year and they're still not performing at the level I thought they would be. And I don't really understand what's going on. And, you know, it was her first time as a manager. And I said, well, you know, learning to be a great manager, you only need to learn how to do that if you have people that are not exactly like you, <laughs> you know, so maybe their learning curve is not as fast as yours. Maybe the way, you know, that you anticipated they would get up to speed was actually incorrect. Maybe you were wrong about your assumptions around how fast it would be to onboard people. You know, learning how to be a great manager includes learning how to manage people that you're feeling a little bit frustrated with. Because if everything was going smoothly and awesome and everyone was performing beyond expectations and you didn't have to do anything, they just showed up and did the most amazing work and everyone was super happy about it and everybody got along and there was never any confusion and there was never any, you know, surprises. If everything just worked all the time, you wouldn't have to learn how to manage people. (laughs) You wouldn't actually have to manage people. This is part of the thing that you're learning how to do. And this is part of you also learning how to be a manager, a person who can influence and lead. And if you've never done this before, that's okay. Most managers haven't. 
most people, the first time you've done something, it's the first time you've done something. So we can kind of slow it down and be a little more gracious with yourself and start to think in a creative way and in a strategic and generative way around how might you influence what is happening here so that we step outside a little bit of this, how do I get them to, which can feel really like you can't see the <laughs> the gestures I'm making, but it's like, you know, pointing in and down and like, oh, like I need to arm wrestle them and get them to do that. We don't need to push all the time so hard. It's more about seeing the landscape, clearing the path that makes it easier for people to move in the direction that you want them to move in. And we can start to do that when we look and observe and start to ask questions and we get really curious and remembering overall that as a human working with humans, a lot of your learning about what is specifically effective for you as a person with these other humans will be accomplished through doing. We are learning by doing. We are learning it by living it. And I think sometimes we forget that. We think, oh, I just need to read this book or watch this video and I'll be able to get it and it'll immediately work. But humans are dynamic creatures. And in our work relationships, there's a lot of dynamism that happens there too. But the good news is that you can learn how to grow and how to be more effective and even just knowing for yourself like okay I'm in the process of learning this is normal I'm not supposed to have it all figured out right now that can unhook you from some of that worry or anxiety or the self-pressure and that's great because then that gives you a little bit more relief and a little more ease both at work and also when you're not because you're a human. Work is a part of your life, but we don't want it to consume or kind of creep into all of the corners. The goal is that you get to feel satisfied and accomplished and feel good about the, the contribution that you are making to this world through the work that you're doing and have a fulfilling uh, an enjoyable life outside of that, right? Otherwise, I mean, what's the point? <laughs> so that is what I wanted to share with you today. If you want uh, help with that, that's what I do. I coach folks one-on-one -on -one and we can talk about how that works and what it would look like for you specifically and the things that you're working on. You can go into the show notes and find a link to my calendar. Sign up for a time and we'll get to talk about it. I also have a workshop coming up on the gentle no. If you have a hard time setting boundaries because you're worried about how people will feel, if you kind of feel bad about saying no, so you tend to say yes, and then you're like, why am I so overcommitted? Why am I, you know, have all this on my calendar? It's because I said yes to everything. You might need to learn the art of the gentle no. So there's a link to the show notes in that. I would love for you to come. It's coming up soon, uh, just in another week or so. So those are two ways that I can help you right now. Sign up for my workshop or schedule some time and let's talk on a consult about how I can help you with coaching. I would love to connect with you. All right. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great week 
and I will talk to you next time. Hey, before you go, if you like this podcast, leave a review. Tell me why you listen and what has helped you. Thanks so much. I'll see you next time.